Welcome back, listeners of Empty Nest Guest. I so always appreciate and value your time. I appreciate that we are all getting older together. And today, I hope that we all get a little bit wiser. And we have such a treat today to have a best-selling author, an amazing, wonderful Christian woman um, who has done so much with her gift of writing. We have Alice Freiling on, and she's written so many things. I can't wait for her to tell you about herself. But the topic I wanted to explore today is called Aging Faithfully, the Holy Invitation of Growing Older. And listeners, some of you that have been with me for a while, you know that my precious mother is 81 years old, lives in Arkansas. And this little book I noticed on her kind of her little credenza in the kitchen. And I I, I love the title There's and, the, and I love the photo on the book or the cover of the book. There's several trees and the roots are getting deeper and it caught my eye. And I looked at that book and, and it caused me to ponder. I said, am I aging faithfully? And I said, mom, tell me about this book. And I recognized Alice's name and I thought, wow, she's an accomplished author. She's been around for a long time. And my mom said, well, just take that. And so I came home and poured through it and I can't wait to share some nuggets of it from, from the book with you. And so Alice, I just want to welcome you. Thank you for coming on the show today and thank you for your time. Well, thank you, Charlotte. It's good to be here. Thank you. Yes. And Alice, I'm looking here on the back of this this book. I love the size of the book. It's a great gift book. It's a wonderful read. You could sit down with a warm cup of coffee and a tea and wrap yourself in a blanket and read it in one sitting, or you could enjoy it, you know, um, on a vacation. But you're the best-selling author of nine books on relationship and spiritual formation and lots of booklets and articles. Will you tell us a little bit about about your your writing, and then I want you to tell us about being a spiritual director. That might be a term that some of my listeners are not familiar with. So tell us about being an author. Well, this started, I'm 79 years old, and this started a long time ago when Bob and I were first married. What we found out was that premarital counseling wasn't a common thing at that time. And so a couple of years after we were married, we wrote a, a book of questions that people could use in premarital counseling. Um, and that so that book was probably, we probably wrote that, well, over 50 years ago, because we've been married 52 years. And it's still in print. I mean, how wonderful is that? I just feel so grateful yes. um, that that's still there. And so then for the next 50 years, I wrote books on um, spiritual direction and on the Enneagram and on parenting. And a few years ago, I started looking for a book for myself on aging and I couldn't find what I wanted. There were a lot of books on retirement, on financial planning, you know, even like on how to get a good cruise price, that kind of thing. Yes. Oh, I totally get it. I totally think what you're saying, because that's how this podcast started. I was like, Lord, I please direct me to what I need to read. What do I need to listen to? And I'm a big listener because we have so much time on our hands and we can drive or listen or work in the yard. And I thought, Okay. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to start this podcast and have people on that are like you that can help me and help my listeners. So I totally well, get that. Yeah. I mean, go, I'm, a, I'm a go to the book first person. And then when I couldn't find something, there was one morning about, I was four years ago and I was just sitting in my study and I thought, I have all these questions about what's going to happen to my soul when I get older. 
And is my relationship with God going to change? Is my relationship with my child? Well, obviously we know our relationship with our children changes some, but even yes. with my husband, I mean, I had so many of these spiritual, relational, emotional questions. And I was sitting in my study and I thought, I, I, I can't find a book, God, what do I do? And I had this sense, I'm, I, this doesn't happen to me very often, but deep inside, there was something inside of me that said, just write the book. And so I pulled out a piece of scrap paper and I said, okay, if I were going to write this book, here are the, here's what I would do. Here are the five ideas I would explore. And that actually became the book. The book has five chapters. Yes. Uh, and it was, it's probably one of the most life-giving and exciting, certainly exciting things that for me that I've ever written. Because when we did the engagement, hand, the engage, handbook, engagement, wait a minute, the handbook for engaged couples. Yes, gotcha. We, that, we, we were already married for two years and everything else I wrote, I wrote after the fact. And this book, I'm writing it right in the middle of getting older every day. And I felt like, actually you asked about spiritual direction and I felt a spiritual director is like a companion to someone, not telling them what to do, but helping them listen for the the word of the Lord in their life, for the direction of God in their life. And I felt like this book, I would write something and it was almost as though the book would say back to me, now, what do you really mean by that? Or sometimes the book would say back to me, that sounds really good, but I don't think you really mean it. Do you want to say it another way? <laughs> you know. So it really helped me um, clarify how I feel about getting older. And that has been so, so life-giving. I can't. Oh, and and your, your words are giving life to us. And isn't it interesting how, um, and listeners, a lot of, you know, I'm working on my first book and I was just talking with Alice. It's, it's hard. It is a hard, exciting, um, opportunity and you get to do it, but you spend a lot of time alone with the Lord. And, you know, I, I'm a, I need people, but so many times the words I will write, the Lord says, how are you doing with that? Yes. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, this is such a relationship and he's giving this, but he's also asking me to walk out what I'm writing. And and that's been humbling. It's been a good thing. Yes, it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to read, I was so excited, Alice. I love Michelle Van Loon and she has been a guest on Empty Nest Guests. And I loved some words that she wrote uh, endorsing your book. And so readers, listen to this. Alice Freiling's gentle, honest writing illuminates illuminates the losses, questions, fears, and longings we carry with us into the aging process. Aging Faithfully is a trustworthy guide, here's what I love, to the light and shadows of our final stage of life on earth with honesty, offering us a gracious and hopeful sense that welcomes us on the other side of that dim mirror. And she's wonderful with words, but I thought that is exactly how I felt about this book. And the other thing I wanted to share with the listeners, I'm looking at, you mentioned your five chapters. So listeners, if you buy this book and you can buy this on Amazon or other um, sources, is that the best place, Alice, you think, to direct listeners for the book? Um, Tell me Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I don't. Great. And I know I'm very familiar with Amazon and I guess Barnes and Noble is another good source. Okay, great. Aging Faithfully, listeners. So look for that. Alice Freiling, F-R-Y-L-I-N-G. I'm going to put a link in the show notes too. So you should be able to click and just order. But what you're going to hear these chapters that she was talking about, a different kind of retirement, experiencing new birth as we age, holy losses, holy invitations, 
letting go. And then this one really spoke to me, Alice. I looked at that and I thought, oh, wow, do I read chapter five first? Fear and peace. And then listening well to aging friends. So we, there's a lot of just beauty and rich words in this book. And we, we could talk for a long time, but I'm going to dive into some questions that we came up with before. And again, listeners, you all know that I tell you in every podcast, you are prayed for prior to the recording of this podcast. You are thought of, and this conversation is for you. And I hope it blesses you and you take it and just treasure it. And and Alice's words are going to bless all of us. But Alice has um, a description in her book about aging being like a tree. And then this is, this sounds funny, but there's some great uh, truth to this and that old people are saps. So Alice, please dive in and tell us about that. Well, um, I'll I'll tell you where the tree came from. We had a flowering pear pear tree in the front yard of our house in outside Chicago. And every year it was the last tree to lose its leaves, really probably in our neighborhood. But the year that Bob retired, and I was realizing, you know, we we were in our late 60s, and I'm thinking, whoa, we really are getting older. That tree didn't shed its leaves until February. And, you know, snow on the ground. And when I looked at it, I thought, this is like a symbol of what's going on in our lives. And for Bob, in terms of the timing in his life with um, reti- retiring from university and 50 years of ministry, um, it's it's like he was shedding the leaves. And it was very sad. I made the mistake of trying not, you know, I don't like to see my husband sad. So I tried to make him happy. And that isn't a good thing to do. So I shared that grief with him. And so he lost, the tree lost the leaves and Bob lost a lot in his life. And then the the tree was bare, the limbs were bare. And then it blossomed with beautiful flowers, which were great. But what really touched me was the next summer when the green leaves came out. And that made me think of when I was much younger, probably the first time I ever read Psalm 92. And it says, older people, they still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. And really, I honestly laughed out loud. I don't very often laugh out loud at the Bible, but I really did because I thought the Bible is saying that old people are saps. And and I didn't really think that was a compliment. Although then when I wrote the book and got into this more, I realized the sap is a life-giving fluid. And so, you know, trees wouldn't live without sap. Um, So maybe some people, some older people may seem like saps to us, but they're really continuing to live and to grow because of the life-giving sap in them. And that's so much um, partly because God allowed me to write the book and partly because of friends and spiritual directors and people I know, I've just found that getting older is very life-giving. There are painful losses, but there's resurrection even before our death and resurrection. Yes. And, you know, the cover of your book is is so beautiful to see the growth of a tree. And my favorite, you know, image is the last tree, how how full and yet how the roots are so deep. And and that's such a, a beautiful picture. And, you know, as I was thinking of you talking about this, this tree, you know, I think about how fast we live our lives from our 20s to our 30s. And 
oh my gosh, the days of when our kids were tumbling out of the van and, you know, we didn't have all the soccer stuff and you have to, you know, did we eat dinner? And I mean, it's just a blur. And then, you know, here we are in our nearing retirement. I have listeners from age 45 on, on till, you know, uh, your age and beyond where there is time to notice a tree. I think did, what I have looked out the window and noticed this beautiful pear tree in my thirties when life was a blur, but as we look at this and we look at the symbolism in our in the middle age and where we are now, it also there's seasons. And I love how you address that in the book. You know, it's not like, oh, the leaves all fell and now they're all growing again. I mean, there's time that that helps us as we age. Yeah, I one of the things that's been interesting to me in the aftermath of in the four years since I wrote the book, I've learned a whole lot of new things, too. And one of the verses that hadn't registered with me when I wrote the book, but I love it. It's a translation um, of Ephesians 4, I think 23, that renew your mind by the renewal of your mind. But this translation is the contemporary um, English version. And it it says, let the Holy Spirit change your way of thinking. Oh, wow. I thought, wow. I mean, by the time we're in our senior years, our ways of thinking are pretty deep inside us. And so to have, this is such an invitation and in some ways a challenge, let the Holy Spirit change your way of thinking. These years aren't at all what I would have imagined. They're much better, really. <laughs> you know. And, um, and that is so encouraging. And, you know, for you to say that I've, I've shared with listeners before that, you know, I've, I've struggled, I'm kind of a a person that's like gets excited about something. And then I want to tell everyone, Hey, this is such a great way to do this. And Oh my gosh, I love this, but I'll never forget one of the most humbling moments of my husband. I love that you all have done so much for marriage mentoring and counseling. My husband and I were at a really low spot and needed to be in uh, marriage counseling for a year. And I loved my, um, my marriage counselor said, Charlotte, that is a way to do something. And Gordy has a way to do something, but we would like to listen to what the Lord's way is in this. And you talk about needing to listen to the Holy Spirit to change my way of thinking. It, you know, it wasn't just my way or the highway. And and boy, we need to do that now. We have to change our way of thinking of how would our adult children look at something? How would we, you know, there's so many moments of a pause that's needed to say, Holy Spirit, help my thinking. I so appreciate that. Yeah, I've I've been very taken with the account in Acts of um, Peter's dream or vision up on the rooftop, and he he was hungry, and a, a sheet came down with a whole bunch of animals on it, and in the dream he heard to get up and eat, and Peter's response was so typical of us. He says, "Oh no, Lord, I would never do that," and so he had to have the dream three times, which is nice that God repeats Himself. But yes, I, I hear that in myself, and I hear it in people in my season of life. Like, "Oh no, Lord, I have never done. I've never had a nap in the afternoon, for instance, because I'm a very busy person, and what I do is very important." Or we say, "I have." Well, I've, I, in spiritual direction, I've heard parents moan that they have never let their children behave like this, but now the children are grown. And so we're always changing our way of thinking and figuring out now what's really true. Um, it's not that truth changes, but our understanding of truth gets clarified as we get older. 
Oh, that's so true. That's so that's so wise. I love that. And I I love, you know, you were talking about the sap and and how the sap is so necessary for the fruit. And and a question I have I'm looking at here to ask you is what is the difference between being productive and being fruitful? Yeah, I've had a lot of um, response to that. Um, I didn't realize that that was, I mean, it touched something in me, but um, I I said to my daughter when I was thinking about maybe writing this book, and I said, I can't believe I'm writing a book for a dying audience. And if that's totally not true, this is the fastest growing demographic in our culture. And this is the question that people are asking that, well, they may not word it, express it this way. The way I expressed it is that there's a difference between productivity and fruitfulness. So basically, we've spent most of us have spent most of our adult life being productive. We've and that's all been good. I mean, you have to get lunch in the lunchbox. You have to get the homework done. You have to get your kids' college education. I mean, we're we're productive either for our on behalf of our children or because we have a job where we need to be productive. But then when we get older, for me, one of the big things in getting older is that I have so much less energy. For Bob, he would say his energy isn't as low as mine, but he doesn't have as much opportunity. And so Uh, the older we get, the less productive we can be. I mean, it's almost by definition, the less productive we can be. And I see in that such an amazing invitation so I can't be productive, but I can be fruitful. And when I use the word fruitful, I'm thinking of, you know, the Christian tradition, the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience. Um, they're in Galatians 5. And I think that if, if we change our focus from being productive to being fruitful in our relationships, that changes everything for us. Yes. It's something we receive. It's not something we we make happen. And usually, at least when I see the fruit of the spirit in my life, I'm almost always surprised. Um, that is such yeah. great words for for us. And I love that you said that fruit is something we receive. Yes, and we. Re- I think. I mean, I, I. You know, God is so mysterious, so He could give us fruit any way God chooses to. But part of that seems to come out of being quiet and also being willing to let go of our productivity. If you're busy trying to repeat your early life, then there really isn't room for fruit. Um, So we let go, we're quiet, we receive the fruit, and it really works well. I I love seeing my granddaughter just kind of soak in the conversations we have because I have time to be patient and loving and gentle with her. Yes. I'm not, and, I'm not rushing and, off to something. And, you know, uh, part of my testimony that I will share with people if they ever ask is, you know, I think there's a line in The Chosen. We really enjoy watching The Chosen. And I think there's a line that, you know, I was one way and now I'm a different way. And the difference and what made me that way is the way, you know, that that's not exactly what they say, but... I usually tell people, you know, I I was so wrapped up in in a career of how that defined me and how did, you know, what I it was what I did was who I was. And now I like I just love the freedom of being older. And there are still some things that in my life I appreciate in the 
in the doing, but the true restful spirit and the softness in my life and the quiet and the ability to hear from the Holy Spirit is not in the doing. It's in the being. It's, and it's really, yeah. Just, what? you know, how can I be and how can I be someone who even allows for sap to, to be healthy yeah. sap, not yeah. you know, yeah. to, to, to be um, fruitful. It, it takes a, a, a softness and a stillness. Be still and know that I am God. I think that's yeah. a very key point. If we're always doing, we just can't be. And then we're not going to hear as much. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really true. One, You're making me think of one of the translations in the Old Testament of when the Israelites are going off to war and God's, God told Moses, you just need to be still. I will fight this battle for you. You just need to be still. And one of the translations says, you just need to keep your mouth shut. And I think about that a lot. Oh, that's so good. And, you know, I love that example, too. And I other I also love his life and his story about, you know, I just can't do this anymore. And then here comes the friends that undergird him. And let's let's hold those arms up. And we need to be sometimes we're going to hold other people's arms up. And sometimes we need to have ours held up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's so much to learn. Well, you know, one thing that you addressed that was so beautifully done in your book is that, you know, we all, I was just even having a conversation with some dear friends about we are, and this sounds hard, we are in a season of loss. We're in a season of death. We're in a season of losing parents and those that we love. And my parents are losing their friends. And it is just, it is so difficult, but you have a beautiful way and you speak of looking for invitations in the losses. And, and I just love how you, you said that it almost is almost like this hopeful, you know, that we go to this really hard, dark, sad place, but yet you're encouraging us to look for invitations. And I'd love for you to give us some examples about that. Well, actually, there there are two things that come to mind that, again, have happened after the book. So I'm excited to be able to share them, at least verbally, if not in writing. Um, One of my ongoing issues for me is my fatigue. And every, every person who gets older experiences loss in their own way. So for me to say, oh, I get so tired may sound like nothing to somebody else because and maybe they've had even greater losses. But for me, I've never been a high energy person and I always run out of energy before I run out of day, before I run out of my to do list. And it's very discouraging to me because I have a pretty um, responsible image of myself. And so I can't be as responsible or as as active as I used to be. So there was one day when I was sitting in my study And I just thought, God, I am just so sick of this. It just seems like every single day I get tired earlier in the afternoon. And for some reason, I think this is the engagement with the Holy Spirit. I started thinking about the Beatitudes and I looked up the first Beatitude in Luke's list, which is a little bit different from the more familiar one in Matthew. And I also read it in the message, which is a translation I like a lot. And so Jesus said, you're blessed when you've lost it all. God's kingdom is there for the finding. And I thought, wow. That, wow. That, you know, that it was such a comfort to me. But it also raised the question like, okay, you're blessed when you've lost it all. God's kingdom is there for the finding. So what is God's kingdom? So I, you know, I started, and there's so much in the gospels about what God's kingdom is. You know, Jesus' parables are amazing. You know, God's kingdom is like yeast, 
God's kingdom is like a mustard seed. God's kingdom is like the, the lady who lost the coin and was, you know, spent all day trying to find it. And so to me, in my fatigue, I thought, so God's God brings big things out of little things, like yeast, for instance, or a mustard seed. Um, and God understands when I put a whole lot of time into finding the coin that I lost or whatever it is. Yes. So it was very comforting. And I, I really lived with that verse for, it's probably been two or three years now that I just think, okay, God's kingdom, I can find God's kingdom in this fatigue. And I do. I mean, in my, my, on my better days, not on my worst yes. days. Well, Alice, I, I can relate to you. And listeners, I don't know if I've told uh, all of you, but I got diagnosed with this crazy thing called alpha-gal, which was um, a tick-borne situation that, that causes you to be highly allergic to red meat just for a season. But the offshoot of that led me into some rheumatoid arthritis. And Alice, I am a energizer bunny, go-getter, type A, spent a whole lot of plates and the fatigue is new for me. And I'm telling you, I have on really down days, I will get in the way of letting the Lord meet me there and, and minister to me and bless me. And on the really sweet days when I'm soft and, and present and engaged, some of the days of greatest fatigue have been some of the sweetest days where I feel like the Holy Spirit is like, I'm with you. You know, this is hard, but I'm right here with you. And that's what that's what God promises. He doesn't promise to take away our fatigue. He promises to be with us. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, God is with me. You know, and for me, a lot of times my dark valleys are fatigue. Yes. And, you know, um, Alice, well, and listeners, you know, in the 23rd Psalm, I, I loved it when I was a young girl, a young woman, and I, I was just so green and had so much to learn about the Lord and scriptures. And one of the things that has always stayed with me is in that scripture, God does not lead us to the valley. He leads us through the valley. And that word through yeah. is so yeah. important. And here we are in our empty nesting years, and we're we're going to go through what we go through, knowing that as a believer, the other side of that is is eternity, and 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 we don't just go somewhere and stay. So, no, I, I love that too. Yeah, that 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 the, the word through took me through a really difficult time a number of years ago. Well, and it'll probably take us to, to through more difficult times as well, because it. You're right; it's such a season of loss, and and yet, um, yet, listeners, let's be like Alice. <laughs> let's let's look for invitations in the losses. Um, you mentioned a word um, in the earlier part of the conversation about about responsibility, and yet um, you have talked about. You mentioned your own experience in the book of learning the discipline of irresponsibility. That is such a uh, like, okay, Alice, tell us about this because we need to learn from you. <laughs> that wasn't my idea. It popped into my mind, and I think it was Holy Spirit inspired that at, on that day, I feel like the Spirit was telling me, you need to practice the discipline of irresponsibility. Because, and that would be something like with Peter, where I would say, oh, no, Lord, I have never been irresponsible. Um, and, and, I hear about a need in my family. I hear about a need in my community, in my church. I mean, I international needs, you know, whatever. I'm responsible to meet them, or at the very most, to try to meet them. And 
the invitation of God that day when I was so tired and feeling so overwhelmed, it's like, I don't have time to have a nap. I have six things I have to do and I'm sick of doing them and I don't want to do any of them. And the spirit just whispered, just practice the discipline of irresponsibility. And for me, typically that means that I need to lie down on the sofa and read a book. And the crazy thing about, I mean, we all get into our senior years with a lot of rules. And this is silly. I don't know if I've ever even told anybody this. So here we go. But my, I, my, I have a rule. I read a lot. But in the morning, I'm supposed to read spiritual books. And at night, I can read novels. And in between, I need to read um, spiritual education or something. But now I lie down on the sofa and I read a good historical novel. And that is so irresponsible. Oh, but and you know, it's freedom too, me. though, right? Can that word be synonymous with freedom? Like the discipline yes. of freedom, right? To be, just to be. So if it's a really good book, I just lie there and I think, oh, this is so nice. I can read this book for as long as I want to this afternoon. And I was thinking actually today, a couple of hours ago, I was thinking how much I love stories in the books. And that's what I love about Jesus. Jesus told so many parables. He told so many stories. And I see myself, I, I you know, my life is enriched by what I read. Um, but I'm breaking a rule because novels weren't allowed in the afternoon a few years ago. Oh, I hope a lot of listeners listening will um, feel like they can they can be irresponsible too in this in this way of of a a sweet time to just relax and just be. And we don't do that. We think we have to be doing and going and being productive, and that can also come with a with a cost because eventually, you know, if we're a, a full sponge and we're producing and being useful, eventually we kind of get wrung out and we get a bit dry. And if we don't take time to be irresponsible and fill back up, we we can't offer fruit. We can't have fruit that we have to share in our lives. And there's an element of being irresponsible that's just needed to go forward. And I think besides um, helping us in our own to be spiritually and healthy and physically healthy, I think my discipline of irresponsibility is a gift to my children and grandchildren because I don't think they would want me to be fussing in their lives as much as I would fuss if I didn't practice that discipline. And I would worry about, you know, well, well, did you remember to do this and have you done that? And it's it's a letting go that these children and grandchildren are not my responsibility anymore. I still love them and I want to bear the fruits of the spirit in their lives. But if I can't do something, quite honestly, God will take care of that. That's God's problem, not mine. Oh, that's, and we all need to learn from that. I mean, that is a, uh, those are golden nuggets right there. And I appreciate you sharing that because it's, it's hard. A lot of us are, are, you know, we want to do good and make a difference and make a even even well-meaning Christians, you know, how can we make a mark and and draw people and bring people to the kingdom? But when we're tired or if we're fatigued or if we just need to rest, the Lord will call us into something else, but not if we just wear ourselves out. Yeah, I I you know, I do meet with a lot of people for spiritual direction and this is a everybody has their own version of this, but there's so many times I just say, you know, you can't spend money that you don't have in the bank, even if you want to. 
Oh, that's so true. And, you know, this makes me think about our next question that we're looking at about, um, you know, there's there's this uh, high price to pay for over productivity and wearing yourself out. And then there's, you know, this great thought of being irresponsible and enjoying some downtime with the Lord. But then there's another thought about, well, if I'm completely irresponsible and do nothing, then I'm just a useless useless person. And, you know, we had a very dear conversation with someone as we are empty nesting. And this precious person said, as an older adult male, I just would like to be relevant. And I really appreciated that word. I I thought, wow, um, that is something I would like to make sure that he knows that that he is to me. But how do, if anybody here is really struggling with just being useless, what would be your words of encouragement to those people? I think we need to um, rethink what useless is. Perhaps useless is not accomplishing everything that we used to accomplish. But a few years ago, I read a verse which sounded heretical to me. Paul said in Colossians, I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And I thought, whoa. Wow. Yeah. You know, and so and then in another place, um, well, Jesus actually said that we would be doing greater works than he was doing. So Paul and Jesus are kind of on the same page here. And then I think it raises a lot of questions. But to me, John and the small letters of John and in one of his letters, he said, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So to me, we are no, we're not useless. It's we're being used in different ways in someone's life. And I love the word complete. Like I haven't really thought about that word. You know, we have the empty nester and and we need to really remind ourselves too that that's we're in the encore years, you know, we are in, and you use, I think, do you use the word third act in your book? Is oh, that right? People, no, people have used that. I've heard the third, third yeah. of life, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and so that's so not a, a place of, of being useless, but if we think about it as we're complete, I mean, the Holy Spirit resides in us to complete us. And so we can't let ourselves get where we feel useless, unproductive, not relevant, you know, with the Holy Spirit in us, we are complete in in him. Well, when I think about the people who have had the biggest impact on my life and, you know, my two parents and Bob's two parents. So I often think of the four of them and I was not particularly close. I mean, I, I didn't have a great relationship with my parents. It was all fine, but not great. And they were, they were very productive, very active people. My father rode a motorcycle when he was over 90, you know, so they just did a lot of stuff, but I never felt that they loved me. And then after I married Bob, I met his mother who was not a famous person at all. I mean, she was a stay-at-home mom, even after she didn't have kids at home. But I think about those four people in my life, and there's no question in my mind that the one who loved me the most was Bob's mother. And she's the one who impacted me. She's the one I miss the most. And so if I had to make a choice, I would rather be like her 
than like someone who did a whole lot, accomplished a whole lot and didn't really love me. I mean, maybe that's selfish, but that's where I come down on the usefulness and uselessness question. No, that's that's a wonderful um, thought for all of us to to think about how maybe the less productive we are, the more time we have to just love the other people in our life that mean the most to us. I think Ronald Rollheiser may have been the one who said that we can be like a rock in the river when we're with our children, that the waters flow by, but the rock is there and stays there. Mm, that's so good. That's a beautiful picture. And, you know, I, I believe it was in the foreword of your book, too, that it said, I need to trust that while there may be less of me, there will be more of Christ. And boy, there is less of me. My friends and I were talking about every doctor's appointment we go to. They're like, well, you used to be five, four and a half. And now you're five, four. And we, we thought we really are. There is less of us, honestly. Yeah. But definitely I definitely less of us each time. We're kind of all shrinking away. But um, but, you know, there can be more of us if we put ourselves in a posture to be to be receiving of what the Lord fills us up with in order to bless those we love. I think, I mean, that, that, well, one of the verses that that's related to is actually the, the verse that I first read when I became a Christian that I thought, oh, this is, this is what they're talking about. And it, it was from Galatians 2.20. And I memorized it in King James English, because that's all we had for I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. But the problem for me there was that I spent so much of my life trying to squelch myself and get rid of myself. And I, I was depressed for the first half of my adult life. And then I morphed into being driven for the next half of my adult life. And neither one of those is a very good perspective. And I, I think now in my senior years, I'm looking more at, I don't want the focus to be on getting rid of myself. I want the focus to be on Christ in me. I don't need to worry about myself. Myself is crucified with Christ, but Christ yeah. in me is loving other people. So I, I I, don't know if I'd say there's more Christ in me, but maybe I'm noticing Christ's love in me more um, on my better days. <laughs> yes, and we, and we just have time. And I think also another thing you talk about, and I know we need to, to wrap up here because I try to keep these to a good amount of time for all you listeners who tell me how long you like these podcasts to be. But, you know, you mentioned you're so um, authentic and talking about we need to unlearn, you yes. know, choosing yeah. to choosing life. I mean, there's there's much to unlearn. And that that doesn't mean we're dwindling. It means we're kind of just a, I think of it as a I, sometimes I feel like in my 30s, I was this tight ball of yarn. And I love the unraveling that comes with just the ease of relaxing in this older part of my life and let that let that yarn unravel a little bit. Let yeah. the yarn air out, you know, <laughs> with no, that can be a lot more freedom and a lot more time to, to be the person that you, we want to be. And you encourage readers to do that. You can be the person you want to be at age 79 and up and have this new birth. And yes. yeah. I love that you share with listeners how to do that. Well, before we sign off here, listeners, I want to remind you of the book is Aging Faithfully. You can look for that on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Click on the link uh, in the show notes here. And we are blessed, you all, to have someone who has done so much for the kingdom in her writing. She's such a gifted writer. And and she uh, and you know what, Alice, I, I want to do a little plug here. 
if anybody has not done a study on the Enneagram, that was a life-changing thing for me and my family because we all know what each other's numbers are. So Alice, would you um, mention your book, what you've written about the Enneagram and make sure that that uh, people know about that? I think that's an important thing that can help us all as we age. Well, I'll, I'll make this real quick. The name of the book is Mirror for the Soul. And my spin on the Enneagram is that it's a wonderful tool for self-awareness because usually um, when as you get to know the Enneagram, it uncovers your blind spots. And in my book, I talk about the difference between the false self and the true self. And the Enneagram grows out of the um, preferences of the false self, your Enneagram space. Um, and the thing I'm learning is that the false self grows older with us. So <laughs> it's that the Enneagram, I think, is going to be relevant to me for the rest of my life. So it's a yes. helpful tool. Well, it is such a helpful tool. So listeners, you know, look that book up too. There's two nuggets that'll really be life-changing for you if you're not familiar with with the Enneagram and, and learning about that. What a great book. And this book, I cannot endorse highly enough, Aging Faithfully. And the tagline, really, the holy invitation of growing older. It is an invitation. And we, every day, you all, every day is a gift that we have to wake up and open our eyes and realize that the Lord has given us another day to live is a gift. Every single day is a gift. And every day is an invitation. And every day we get older. And we are so thankful to have people like Alice who can teach us how to do that better. And she's walked before us and we can learn from her. And I'm so grateful for your time today. Well, thank you. And I, I love the title of your podcast, The Empty Nest. I mean, that's it's another category of life that's so important to talk about. You yes. Know, where do I see Jesus in my empty nest. Yes. And, you know, my friend reminded me, she said, Charlotte, you know, you, you got to have the name, the married last name guest. And she said, don't you think it's interesting that God knew you would have this podcast, Empty Nest Guests, <laughs> when, uh, before? Uh, I do think that's amazing because I love, the thing I love about this podcast is learning from the guests that have been on the show that are helping us helping us on our journey. Um, we all need each other. One thing I've learned, listeners, I went through a rough patch recently and I had to be very vulnerable and tell my friends, I I need you right now. And, and we need each other. We need community. We need, um, as we age faithfully, we need to reach out and check on those that we love and make sure we are seeing each other and that we are being vulnerable and being authentic and that we are just being authentic and asking the Lord to fill us in those places and and look for those along the way that we can encourage. And Alice, speaking of encouraging, do you have any parting thoughts or any additional encouragement of anything we didn't cover? I think I am just so surprised that this is absolutely the best season of my life yet. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't expecting that. So I'm very, very thankful. Um, it wasn't that the other seasons, you know, I did uh, during my depression, I, that was not a good season, but this this season seems like a fulfillment of all the good things, knowing God and being loved by God that I was learning and experiencing, I guess, in the last 79 years. So we'll see what tomorrow is like. 
see what tomorrow is like. Well, your words have have blessed so many in your books. And and this conversation has been such a joy for me to look forward to trying to be just like you. (laughs) If I'm 79, I hope I can be encouraging others and and living irresponsibly, um, you know, in the way that the Lord wants me to and being a bit sappy and bearing fruit and and to just remind myself that these are these are some best days and they can only be if we walk with him and in his ways and i certainly want to leave listeners with that encouraging word today listeners i thank you for your time today your time is always valuable and for you to choose to spend it with alice and with me is a joy and i thank you so much for being with both of us well, thank you for inviting me and for doing the podcast. It's been a gift. Oh, it, it has been a joy. And listeners, I hope you stay with me. We have some upcoming episodes that will be such a blessing as we continue to go down this empty nesting road and into our encore years. And I hope that we, I heard someone say the other day, may we have confetti in our pockets so that we can cheer each other along. And I thought, I think I'm going to go buy some and just kind of carry that around and see if that'll make a difference in the world. But thank you, Alice, for teaching us how to age faithfully. Listeners, I hope you enjoy picking up that book. And I look so forward to being with you on the next episode of Empty Nest Guests. And Alice, we thank you for your time. Thank you and bless you.